For those of you who do not know the background behind Valentine, let me read my passage of scripture, then I'll, I'll go into it. But Acts chapter nine, verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise, go to the street called Straight in the house, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that, Father, through your word today, we'd be motivated, we'd be challenged. God, we'd be uh, motivated to go to a deeper level in our walk with the Lord and how we love those who are around us, Father. God, I pray that your word would convict us today. God, compel us to go to a deeper level, a disciple's level, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. You may be seated. For those of you that have never heard this story, I'll briefly share it behind Valentine. St. Valentine, it was not his original name, but he um, was martyred for his stance on marriage. St. Valentine lived early in the, um, the, the, around the third century um, after Jesus had um, lived on earth and during the time of the Roman Empire when marriage was neither celebrated or encouraged, it was strongly discouraged because the, the Roman Empire was a war machine, right? So they didn't want emotional attachments among their people that would go off to fight in war. Um, well, Valentine was a believer, a true believer, and he would take a stance in encouraging people to marriage within the confines of their biblical faith. And he was eventually imprisoned for his belief system, convicted and then um, martyred for his belief system. So along the journey as he is in prison, uh, the guy that is keeping him hostage, his daughter is blind. And Valentine um, goes and prays for his daughter. And God does a miracle and restores her sight. She becomes a believer. Her father, who is holding St. Valentine in prison, becomes a believer, but because of the course of events, he goes on and um, loses his life for uh, the cause of his faith, right? Earth loss, heaven's gain. Um, time's always right to do what is right, to take a stand for what we believe in, regardless of what the world might say, regardless of the world might do. The time is always right to love, even when it's not reciprocated to stand for our beliefs, to not bow to the pressure of society, even when society tries to pit us one against the other. And so if nobody's told you today, um, you are loved and you are valued. At Evangel, we love people. In fact, that's why we exist as a church, is to love people. The greatest commandments in the scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love one's neighbor as you love yourself. And how many of you know people ain't always easy to love? How many know some of those people that they're not easy to love, right? People are not always easy to love. Family members are not always easy to love. Coworkers are not always easy to love. Neighbors are not always easy to love. Children are not always easy to love. But guess what? If God has called us to it, he will provide the means for it. 
Amen? If he has called us to love people with an endless love, he will provide the means for it. Last year when we preached through Vision 2020, um, and we laid out our plans and our vision for what 2020 was going to look like, we had no idea what it would look like. And in February, I preached about loving our enemies, which is probably one of the hardest things for us to do. And I made a statement that loving our enemies is possible when we first realized that we were the enemy of God, that we were alienated, right? We were a part of the forces of darkness. So when we realize our position before salvation, we should be able to love everybody no matter what. And so God has given us a lot in 2020 and the first part of 2021, a lot of opportunities to be able to love those who don't think like, do not act like, are not like us in any manner, to live out the mission of the church. And here's what I know, that regardless of a pandemic, the mission of the church corporately and the mission of Evangel Temple, it will never change that Jesus came into this world to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I was the worst. The mission, it never changes. It figures out how to go forward regardless of what the world might be going through. So we exist to love people, even those who would be termed our enemies, those who would despitefully use us. And this is what I love about this passage, Ananias. Ananias, this Ananias is only mentioned twice in scripture and pastor mentioned him last week, so I'm gonna pick up where he left off. There was a man named Ananias. The scripture says that Ananias was a disciple. See, when Luke was writing through Acts, he didn't, use to, didn't choose to use the term Christian. He didn't choose to use the term follower of the way. He didn't, use to, he didn't choose to use any other term, but he chose to use the term disciple. There is a strong difference in our day and age between being a disciple and being a Christian. Christianity or a Christian is a title, but a disciple exhibits a specific lifestyle. A Christian is a categorization of a system of belief, but a disciple is one who has been transformed in their daily living. And I believe that in this room and across disciples around our world, God is calling us to a deeper level of faith, a deeper level of how we live out our faith in Ananias level. Are there any disciples in Evangel Temple today here on Ramona Boulevard? Are there any disciples online today that goes to a deeper level? Are any disciples at Middleburg today that you're willing to go to that deeper level? See, you go beyond just the categorization of a belief system. It changes how you walk, how you talk, how you interact with people that you would term your enemy or how you would interact with people that you typically don't like, right? Discipleship causes us to, to, to live a little bit differently. It has strong implications on how we live and how we respond to the call of the Lord. The Lord, he called Ananias by name. He said, Ananias, has God ever called any of you by name? God knows how to get our attention. He knows our name. He knows our number. He knows our address. And it's better when all God has to do is to call us by our name because he'll take the next step if we don't respond, right? If we don't listen when he calls our name, our God keeps taking steps. 
He will get our attention, right? It's just better if we respond the first time. There was a man named Jonah that was called by name, but he did not respond. And so he ran from the call of the Lord, right? He went down out of Jerusalem, went down to the port, down into the bottom of the ship, down into the belly of the well. He didn't have to do all of those things if he would have responded the first time. See, church, it's good when, we, when God calls our name, if we will just respond for the first time. We can choose to be stubborn or we can choose to respond. I wanna choose to be available to the call of the Lord. He said, Ananias, and Ananias said, here I am. Ananias was available for the Lord before the Lord even laid out the plan. Are you available for the Lord before he lays out the plan? A disciple will always be available before, when the Lord calls. Church, is your ability or your availability, is it contingent upon you, A, knowing the plan, B, understanding the plan? Is your willingness to serve contingent upon your ability to understand the mind of God and what he is calling you to? See, church, it's okay if we do not know the plan. It's okay if we don't understand the plan. It's okay if we don't know how the plan is going to work itself out. It's okay that if we have to live in a measure of faith and we don't get the plan because the scripture tells me that God knows the plan. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. And so if he knows the plans, then we're okay if we will just be available to respond when he calls us to the plan. See, our eternal God has an eternal plan for our eternal good that he will prosper us and give us a hope and a future. And though it may not always be comfortable in the here and now, right? It may not always be comfortable in the temporal. It may not always be comfortable in us walking it out in our daily life. His plans are good plans for our eternal good. And if there's anything I want in this life, it's to invest in my eternity for an eternal reward, not a temporary satisfaction. Ananias presented himself as a servant, and he said, here I am. God said, rise, go to the street called Straight, and look for Saul of Tarsus. He is praying and waiting for you that he might regain his sight. God laid out a clear plan for Ananias that he might go to Saul, and Saul would receive his healing. Saul's miracle was dependent on Ananias' obedience. How many miracles are contingent upon our obedience? How many other people's miracles are contingent upon us saying, here I am, Lord? How many miracles does God want to work through us if we will just say, here I am, Lord. I'm yours to be used by you, to be used for you. See, if Ananias didn't obey, we don't know what would have happened with Saul, but what we do know is when God calls us, we've gotta be ready to respond because we are often the answer to other people's prayers. Let that sink in. We are often the answer to other people's prayers. I cannot tell you how many times this has happened in life and in, in missions where we'll go to the other side of the world and they'll tell us, look, we've been praying for five years or 10 years for this very thing to take place. Thank you for responding. Thank you for responding that we were the miracle we were the miracle to come. What they were believing for, what God, was, what, what God was putting in their heart because we said, yes, I am available. We would see answers to prayer. And often we are the answers to other people's prayers if we will just say, yes, Lord, here I am to be used for you. Even when the call isn't pleasant, right? 
Ananias answered without knowing it, but then when he found out what it was, it wasn't even a pleasant call. Ananias had a reservation to who God was calling him to. And you would too if you knew that he was the persecutor, right? He was the one imprisoning your kind. He was the one that was laying his robe at the feet of those who were martyring people that thought like you. You'd have a reservation too. So Ananias answered the Lord. He said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. Let me put this in the Urban Dictionary for you. Lord, everybody is talking about this man and what he's done, did? He is crazy. He's absolutely crazy and you're calling me to, to him how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind and imprison all who call on your name. Ananias said, listen, we've already got our Christian intel reports coming in that he's coming up here to imprison your church. And you're calling me to who? You're calling me to him? You've got to be kidding. See, Saul was a man that was breathing threats down the back of Christians. He was imprisoning them, taking part in their martyrdom. And Saul was on his way to persecute Christians in Damascus, right where Ananias lived. He was a bit intimidating. Saul or the church was Saul's enemy. But what I cannot say is that Saul was the enemy of the church. People should never be the enemy of the church. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but principalities. As the jungle missionary said, people are not our enemies, they are God's harvest. It should be impossible for the church to have enemies. Though they might consider us their enemy, we should never look at people as the enemy of the church, the one that's transformed and changed our life. We should view every person, regardless of what they're like or what they're acting, as God's harvest. That's what he calls us to. And that's what he saw in us, quite frankly, that when we were his enemy, he still died for us when we were in the midst of our trespasses and in the midst of our sin. He still called us and made us children of the most high God. I get it, we live in a society where Christians are being called and termed the parasite of society and so irregardless of what they may say and they may do, we have a calling to love people without strings attached. People are not our enemy, they are God's harvest. And I said, Lord, I've heard of everything that he's done and he begins his checklist of why it's not a good idea, right? How many times have we gone through that checklist with God? God, this is why that's not a good idea. God, this is why that's not a good idea. I know you don't see everything that I see, right? I know you don't see from my perspective. This is why it's not a good idea. And we start going through the, through the checklist and we give them our 10,000 reasons, right? And so Ananias begins to, to do this. You know who else did this in scripture, Moses? Moses, when God called him to go into Egypt and just do a small thing, right? Take 650,000 people out of the, work, the workforce of Egypt. Kill their economy, right? <laughs> Up in all that they were doing, the financial things that were contingent, God called Moses to go into Egypt and completely upend the economy, cause it to go into recession and everything. And Moses was like, God, me? <laughs> you want me to do this? What about the Moses down the street? And we start giving, up, giving God our reason of why we can not. God's plans will always challenge us. They will always stretch us. They will always make us uncomfortable. They will always require us to walk by faith. Right? We've got to walk by faith, not by sight. That's the whole point of faith. 
That's the whole point of trusting in God, that he's going to move us into some areas that are uncomfortable. And this is what he was doing with Ananias. He was sending him into a area, into a position, into a relationship with a guy named Saul that had been imprisoning people like him and said, hey, I want you to go and love him. God's plans will always require us to walk by, walk by faith. People, water don't come out the faucet until you turn it on. Water will never come out that faucet. We have more faith in a water faucet often than we do in our God because we begin to turn that water faucet on and we expect for water to come out. And provision doesn't start coming until we start taking steps. Faith is us turning on that water faucet. Faith is us beginning to take those steps and pursuing God despite what we see in this world. And even loving people when it's not reciprocated. The Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name out before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God tells Ananias to go despite his reservation. And I love this. Ananias responds and is obedient. And that should be our response too. God gets that we're gonna have reservations. God understands that often his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than us, meaning we don't understand, we don't see entirely what he sees and we have difficulty connecting with because there's a, a disconnect. He's up there and we're down here. And so his ways are not our, our ways and we don't always know the future. We don't always know the future of what God is wanting to do in an individual. We just often connect with who they were and who they've been, right? We see people often for who they are, what they've been, what they've done, and we can often write them off for the things that they have done, but God is calling them in for who they have yet to become. Yes, we might see the sinner, but he sees the saint in the future. We might see the persecutor of the one who's done horrible things, but God is seeing the greatest missionary of all time. God sees with a different lens and a different perspective, and sometimes we gotta put on heaven's lenses to be able to see people as God sees them, not judge them for all all the things that they've done, not judge them for all of the bad choices and poor choices that they've made, but to love people without strings attached. Saul wasn't in a good place to receive the love of God, y'all, but Ananias, he loved him despite it. God is calling us to love people even in the midst of their dysfunction because that's where we get to be a part of the transformation process. And there's no process that is more beautiful than the transformation process. Don't think that it doesn't come without trial and error. Don't think that it doesn't come without bumps and bruises and scratches along the way. But that is what God is calling us to. If we only love people when they're at their best, it ain't love. If we only love people when they're at their prime, it ain't love. If God loved us at our worst, he asked us to give the same love to others at their worst. God had plans for Paul that no one could have ever Imagine, and if Paul was the chief of sinners yet became one of the greatest influences, then who are we to deny others the same possibility? Church, this is our job, not just as leaders, but as disciples, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You know what was special about Ananias? Acts chapter 22, verse 12 tells us, and one, this is Paul talking at this point, it says, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. Ananias wasn't a superstar. He wasn't a pastor, prophet, teacher, or apostle. You know what he was? He was obedient. 
He was obedient. Ananias was a disciple, a lover of people. See, Peter, James, and John, they were still alive at the same time. Peter, James, and John, they hadn't gone into eternity at this point. God could have called Peter, James, and John from Jerusalem up to Damascus to go and lay hands and pray for Paul or Saul to receive his sight, yet he chose a disciple. He chose an ordinary person to be a part of the transformation process. You see, this thing isn't just reserved for an elect few that preach from a stage, but it's a commission for every person that bears the name of Christian, that bears the name of Christ, that bears the name of disciple. This was an ordinary man, a lover of people. Are there any Ananiases in the room today that you will respond to the call of the Lord? You will call out purpose. You will call out potential, even if it means not having a title. You've got a commission, and a commission is greater than a title any day of the week. Anyone who is available. We're called to be Ananias, to be obedient to the word of the Lord in our everyday life. Hebrews 10, 23 and 24 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. That means it ain't gonna be easy, y'all. If he has to told us, tell us to hold on to things without wavering, that means there's gonna be some trials and some difficulties. But he says, for he who promised is faithful. And then I love this next verse. You know what he says? Make believers uncomfortable. He says, stir them up. Stir them up, get them out of their seat. He says, let us consider, let us contemplate, let us plan how to stir one another up for good works. You know what that means? We need to sit back and think about how we can motivate people to get out of the stands and onto the field for the good works that God has called us to and prepared in advance. He's not okay with us sitting on the sidelines. He's not okay with us sitting on the bleachers. He's calling us to a deeper level of good works and says, let us encourage, let us exhort. You know what I'm here today to do? I'm here to stir you up. I'm here to stir your faith, to get you uncomfortable, to get you off the sidelines, to get you into the game. Because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be an Ananias. You don't have to have the title. He wants you into the game. You don't have to be the MVP, you just have to be willing. You just have to be available to be used by him and to be used for him. Let's stir one another up. Let's challenge one another. Let's encourage one another to live out a disciple's mandate. Ananias obeys and God heals Paul and becomes the greatest missionary in history. All because Ananias was willing to listen, to be available to respond despite his reservation, and to love people at their worst. Who's God calling you to love? I prayed with a man after service in tears. He said, God's calling me to love someone and it's difficult. Who's God calling you to love today? It might be difficult, but I'm stirring you up today. I'm challenging you, because this is the heart of the gospel. Middleburg, who's he calling you to love? Online, who's he calling you to love? He loves you, and he's not fine for us to stay here. That's why he says, let us consider how to stir one another up. God's love in our life enables kingdom transformation. Through his love in your life, he might bring people into the kingdom for such a time as this.
You get that? Through you. He might bring people into the kingdom for such a time as this. Through me, through our families, through our homes, through our availability, not as leaders, but as disciples. He will call people in. See, God is calling us to love people where they are, to see salvation and purpose brought into their lives. Last week, you heard of a coach named Dean Hollingsworth. This week, you hear of a guy named Saul of Tarsus who became Paul, all because there was one person in each situation that said, here I am, Lord, I'm available. I don't have to be the superstar. I just wanna be used by you to preach your message. Church, in 2021, I'm excited of what God is calling us to and calling us in into this room because there are so many people people waiting for Ananias to come alongside of them and to begin to love them at their worst, begin to minister to them at their worst. That's what he's calling collectively the church as a whole to, but that's what he calls us each individually to as well. God is bringing in a harvest of souls, and I've seen it praying with person after person in these altars week after week of people that are hurting and broken. They're finding faith, and they need disciples that will come and put their arm around them and say, hey, God's got you. He's got plans for you. Yes, life might have been tough, but I'm here to help support you. That's what the church is to be. A beacon of hope, a beacon of life, a beacon of purpose for all who are to come. See, God is bringing in a harvest of souls, and he's chosen us. He's chosen us to help people discover the call. Not just the pastors, but the Ananiases of Evangel Temple. The disciples of Evangel Temple. Ananias wasn't a pastor. He was a disciple. Church, this is what God has called us to. To train the saints, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If the worship team would come, he's called each one of us to do this, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And this is what the whole eConnect track is for because as a pastor, I realize that be, before you can be effective out there, you gotta be able to be effective in here, right? If we want you to be effective out there, you gotta be trained in here to be effective out there. And this is the whole reason behind eConnect, is to share the heart, the heart of the kingdom, the vision of the kingdom, then to help you discover the purpose and the calling, the talents and the giftings that he is intrinsically wired into your life, help you to discover those things, and then to begin to deploy you and to see you used by, by him and for his kingdom inside, and then to take you to the outside to make a difference in the world around us. Each of us need to know our calling, and I, I often tell people that your calling, listen to this, this is a, a quick, quick little lesson. Uh, your, your calling is located at the intersection of your giftings and your passions, right? Your giftings and your passions. What has God gifted you at? What are you good at? What are the things that God has made it easy for you to do in your life, giftings that you have? Not everybody is gifted at singing, right? We understand that, and if you're not gifted at it, we're gonna help you know that. And so don't be offended, right? You might be passionate about something, but if you ain't gifted in it, you're not called to it. But just because you're gifted at it doesn't mean you're called to it. God gifted me in accounting, and he took me a different route. If I was there, I would be miserable because that's not what God has called me to in my passion. He's called me to souls, he's called me to people. My calling, your calling is located at the intersection of your giftings and your passions. We all wear different shoes, right? Some of us wear dress shoes Monday through Friday. Some wear work shoes. 
Some wear shoes to go into the medical field. Some wear shoes for running and athletics. Some wear shoes for different things. We all wear different shoes, which represents different callings. And he wants us to be an Ananias within those places and within those points of what he has called us to, to be able to look to our lost coworkers and give them a message of hope, to give them a message of love, a message of purpose, and a message of destiny. He's calling you to be an Ananias today. If you would go ahead and stand with me this morning. It's 11.58. We're gonna close in just a second. We exist to love people. Even when they're at their worst and they need somebody to come alongside and say, hey, God loves you. He's called you. Let's do that. We gotta get in the game, y'all. We gotta get in the game. I wanna challenge you, if you've not gone through our eConnect track, we, 2021 has started off crazy and we need everybody in place to help host the harvest of souls that he is bringing in. New family after new family, people hurting and broken. We need you to get motivated and, and get into the game, to be a part of the outreach on Saturday to be salt and light. It's time. He's placed us and positioned us for such a time as this. So if you haven't done that, get ready to go through that with us. Heart, serve, join, and get equipped for what God is wanting to do in your life. I want us to take a moment before we do a call for salvation. I want us to take a moment and I want us to pray that God will help us to love people. Even the difficult ones. I want you to just bow your heads. Who's God calling you to love today? Who's God calling you to love in 2021? That might have been very difficult to love in 2020. They might have hurt. They might have said some things, done some things. Why don't you begin to just pray for them? Before we can ever love them, we gotta pray for them first. Just take a moment. Begin to pray. world will know that we are his disciples, how we love one another. No greater love has anyone than this that would be willing to lay down our life for them. Father, we thank you for your love. God, may we be stirred up, motivated to good works, to see you use us for such a time as this. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If you're in this room, maybe you're at Middleburg watching online. You want to know this love, the love of the Father. That He would send His Son into this world to bring salvation to your life. You want to know this love. He gave Himself for you. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand across this room. It's brought salvation for you 2,000 years ago to bring transformation, change. Amen. I want us all to say this prayer together this morning. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that, that you died so that I might live. I ask for your forgiveness and your cleansing 
in my life. Help me to live for you, to serve in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, there's a connection card in the pew in front of you. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, um, I want you to fill that out just a moment. Give it to our ushers on the way out. You can also text this number behind us. This isn't the arrival terminal. This is, it's just beginning terminal. If you just prayed that prayer. God's got so much more for you. God's got so much more in his kingdom. And it's just beginning. And I wanna challenge you and encourage you to take these next steps to serving within through connections and then helping us serve without. I'm gonna pray the ironic blessing in just a moment, but a couple of things before uh, we do. Um, for all of our ladies, for most of our ladies, I hope we have enough, um, but we have roses at the back doors for you today that we wanna wish you a happy Valentine's Day on your way out, a single stem rose that you can get. So God bless you, happy Valentine's Day. Um, but also for all of our people that serve in connections that you work and in connections, I want you to go to the chapel in just a few minutes. We got a quick meeting where we wanna share some vision about what's next and we wanna introduce our um, next connections director today as well. And so for all of our people that serve in any of our connections, that's greeting, usher, security, uh, parking lot, wherever you're at there, come and join us in the chapel for about 15 minutes so we can share some vision. Um, for that. And so um, I want to pray for those who need healing. Um, and then I'll read the Aaronic blessing. But if you, have, if you need healing in your body, slip up your hand real quick for me. Amen. Amen. We believe in a God who heals, a God who gives life, a God who restores. And so I want you to take that hand, place it wherever you need healing at in your body. And we're going to prophesy and declare life. Father, I thank you that you are a life-giving God. And I declare health. I declare restoration. And all of that being, Father, I speak healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. Regardless of what doctor's reports may have said, regardless of things that may have transpired, God, we release health today. God, I declare that cancer is shriveling and dying today in the name of Jesus. I pray that blood diseases are leaving your children's body in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, for muscular skeletal issues, God, that they're aligning today in the name of Jesus. We release health, we release life and a wholeness over every person. Father, I pray for mental and emotional things, God, that have been going on, that you would restore, God, your children today. We love you, Father. We give you all the praise, the honor, and glory for what you have done and what you are doing. In Jesus' name, we pray. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. Father, we pray for your people today that God, we would walk in your anointing, your favor, and your love to love a loss, a hurting, and a broken world around us. To be the visible manifestation of your kingdom on this earth. To see kingdom expansion take place right here in Evangel Temple this year in 2021 as we love people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Amen. Listen, don't miss tonight. Jim Rayleigh's going to set the stage with what he preaches tonight.
for two weeks from this morning. He's bringing the tabernacle two weeks from this morning. They've done all the replica pieces, and we're going to teach about true worship before the Lord. It's going to be powerful tonight. Don't miss it.